guys, how are we doing? So, um, just a little word at the beginning. If you have a, a, a comment, an interjection, or a question, if you just raise your hand anytime during this, it's, it's open forum like that. Um, I think that's the best way probably to proceed. And um, I'm gonna let Diane enter a little bit. We have a door prize. And um, oh, they're fun, right? <laughs> so these are these are books like that have blessed our family and um, just our kids growing up. So Diana's picked them, and um, she's gonna intro this. But uh, and, and we'll talk about who's gonna be in on it. I think most parents in here are, are gonna be in on the drawing. Um, we'll see how many we got. You can raise your hands a bit, baby. You wanna talk about the book? Okay, well, first we'll do the drawing, and then I'll... Then you're going to talk out. about it and tell them what they got? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, he wants you to touch your mouth when Sorry. you talk with yep. it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so any parent that has a child that is under nine years old, or nine or under... Okay. Um, raise your hand. You guys can if your child has not yet come out of the womb yet. So how many How many have? Keep it up for a minute. And let's just have one per couple so I can count how many we've got here. Okay, so we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Is that right? We have eight. Okay. Do you have a pen? Not on me. You, you can write. Okay. Just so... Everybody knows it's not rigged. Okay, I'm going to pick out a number one to eight, and I'm going to write that down on my page, just so you know that I haven't rigged it. And then we're going to let everybody choose, and the first person who gets the number is going to get the door prize. All right, so let's start over here. What number are you choosing? It's not seven. It's not four. It's not five. It's not three. Six. It is six. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they might have this book, and so we'll have to do it again. <laughs> but this, okay, so tonight we're going to be talking about... Um, honor and what that looks like in our relationships in our home and um so i ordered a new one this is ours you can tell like it's really old again just like the book last week you can't find this in the store you're not going to go to barnes and noble and find Th it you this one's anointed from a lot of use uh, on amazon but i ordered one last thursday thinking i was giving myself plenty of time but sorry it's not here this book it's amazing if you want to teach your children about good, godly character, this is a great book to get. They have different characters in here who actually have bad character. And the result of your children seeing these characters in this book who are being rude, who are being selfish, who are being obnoxious, you know what the effect it has on your children? They're like, I don't want to be like that. That is so ugly. And then at the end, all these questions. I believe the author is a Christian. At the beginning of the book, it's talking about 
where all this is coming from. And it's do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And so there are characters that are playing game with others and how they're lying and how they're cheating. And there's Patsy Pig who eats in front of everybody and she doesn't care if they have anything to eat. She's just gonna grab everything she wants and she's really not concerned about what anybody else thinks or wants. And so it's, it's really good. Anyway, Shane and Luis, do you guys have this book? <laughs> you got it? All right. <laughs> there's one thing off your Christmas list. <laughs> It's called May I Please and Thank You. And who's it by, Shana? Joy Wills. Wilkes. W-I-L-T. Okay, so like I said, we're going to, after we did last week, just really felt like in praying that the Lord was still, like, really speaking about the whole aspect of honor in our homes, um, honoring children, honoring our, their parents, honoring their siblings, honoring those in authority, and even honoring the weak and the least among them, maybe the handicapped. It's all about them honoring the Lord. To treat parents, siblings, and those in um, authority or the weak among us disrespectfully is actually an affront to God. Because if we're made in his image, do you see, it's an indirect affront to God himself. That's why it's wrong. And so we want to talk about that just a little bit more tonight. Um, We did touch on um, lying last week. Um, And I just wanted to say, um, Barry's going to talk about the conscience, and he's going to tie all this in. But... um, you know what, every time you tell a lie, what happens in your heart? Your conscience bothers you, right? The Bible warns us about not searing our conscience. So I just wanted to hit on that again because I felt like we touched it real lightly. Listen, if you think your child has lied to you, the world can stop right then. And you need to get to the bottom of it and help them to love truth. They need to be disciplined for it. And, and, you know, and sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you're in a hurry. It doesn't matter what's going on. It's a really, really big deal. You do not want that seed of lying to grow into their heart and at the same time causing their heart to be a little bit hardened to the Lord. So... Just wanted to touch on that again. And sometimes, especially when you have more than one child, and then you have seven kids of your own, and then you got five or six or eight cousins, it's hard because the situation will come up and go, no, this happened. Oh, no, no, it wasn't like that. It was this. Don't sweep it under the carpet. Have each child come to you, tell you, okay, now you tell me what happened. Okay, heard that one. Now you tell me. Every story is going to be the same except for one. And so just, I just really encourage you to go after it. Don't sweep it under the carpet. It's a big deal. You want them to love truth. 
Um, and then also just um, in the matter of, this might seem a little bit off topic, but you know, it's here again, we're like, we're dealing with the heart, we're dealing with issues of, you know, things that might sear their conscience, things that might hinder them from honoring the Lord. We've had, felt like the Holy Spirit really dealt with us to be really careful about what toys we buy our kids. And that may seem like, well, okay, of course, you know, the little vampire dolls, I'm not going to buy my little girl that. But no, I'm really not even talking about that. There can be other things as well that our culture might totally embrace and totally rise, raise up like this is just a great toy. All American little girls love their, you know, Barbie or whatever. Go to the Holy Spirit with it. Ask him what he thinks because he might tell you no. We've had situations where we've had friends that have told us, yeah, we've had a real, our child, we could just see this real stronghold of the enemy in their life, and we didn't know what it was. But in prayer, the Lord told the child in two cases. One case, the child was like an eight-year-old boy. The other one, a little three- or four-year-old boy. It's the toys. I need to get rid of toys because the enemy is coming in through those toys. Just be aware. Just pray about the toys. Even see what kind of effect it has on their attitude. See, how are they playing with that toy? Is this nurturing what you want nurtured in them? Or is there something else going on that is not honoring the Lord and you don't want it in your home? Okay, so um, let me just talk for a few minutes about keeping a clear conscience. And um, we did talk to our kids about this and just... FYI, I mean, we, we don't think we know it all or that we did everything perfectly. So can, can, I just, can I just put that disclaimer out there every time that we speak? Is that we don't think we're some kind of great authority on this. We, just, we did raise seven children. We did try to seek the Lord on how to best raise them. And guarding their heart is a huge issue. And so that comes back to this issue of lying. It comes back to the issue of helping them to keep a clear conscience. So the teacher in me wants to give some scripture. Is that okay? <laughs> um, let me just give you some scriptural um, basis for this whole issue of, of our conscience, if, if you're okay with that. Let me, let me read four scriptures, and then I have seven points. That's all I have. Um, but we'll go quick, okay? So um, this is Acts 24, um, verses 15 and 16. Paul says he's testifying before Felix and he says, having a hope in God, which these men cherish themselves, that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So the point is, we're all going to have to give account for our life at the end, right? That's, that's the point. And then in verse 16, he says, in view of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience, both before God and before men. And then 1 Timothy um, chapter 1 Verse 19, again, Paul says, keeping faith in a good conscience, 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 which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. So don't think that this doesn't have application to children. It does. It affects our heart. And children can shipwreck in their faith just like parents can. And there's a relationship between having a defiled conscience and shipwrecking 
of our faith. Um, then 1 Timothy chapter 4, Diane mentioned about lying. This is, this is 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Paul says, but the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. You see the connection there between hypocrisy and lying and the conscience being seared. It's a, it's a big deal. And then last verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, um, Paul again says, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience in the way that my forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night. So let me just go through some bullet points here on conscience. And this is, tell Maddie just to chill a little bit, will you? Okay. Um, let me give you some bullet points on conscience, okay? I had Bible study with my kids about this stuff. Um, important issues, conscience is a big issue. And we had one on about lying. So here's, here's some bullet points about conscience, okay? It's just laying foundation. Number one, the conscience is the voice of your heart. Um, it's your heart speaking. And children, um, we need to teach them early. You don't violate that when your heart speaks. So second point is when we violate our conscience or override it or reject it, we choose what we know is wrong. This violation result, results in confusion, shame, guilt, and leads to further rebellion. Okay, scripturally violating our conscience is equivalent to hardening our hearts. It's, it's basically the same thing. And listen to these last three bullet points. Rebellion against God begins with rebellion against our own conscience. You need to understand that with your child to help them. Rebellion against God begins with rebellion against our own conscience. This is Romans chapter 1. This is what Paul says. The state of the Gentiles and the people without God is that they have thrown aside what they knew in their own conscience. They violated it and trampled it, and that was the beginning of the rebellion against God. Um, number six, uh, we will give account to God for violating our conscience. That's what Paul said in Acts chapter 24. And then the last bullet point, the way we clear our conscience is through true repentance. Um, those with, okay, so, so here's part of the whole, when we get into the whole discipline issue, this looms large with children. Basically, our number one goal in disciplining them with the rod, um, and, and there's a pretty heavy scriptural foundation for that as far as God's methods. Um, is to help them to get a clear conscience again. Because if they don't repent, then their conscience doesn't get cleared out and they go through their days with a defiled conscience and it affects their ability to connect with God, to love God, to obey their parents. All kinds of things are connected to the child's conscience. And so this is what I'm trying to get back around to when we're talking about child rearing, we are supposed to help them to live with a clear conscience. Whatever in their life and whatever in their behavior defiles their conscience, in essence, cuts them off from their relationship with God. Um, it's a hardening of the heart. And so we want to help them, you know, whenever we switched our kids and, you know, disciplined them, our first thing was to help them to repent 
this is wrong before the Lord. Father, I'm sorry, and I'm making restitution with whoever, whichever sibling they violated or whether it was us. Or, you know, to get their conscience clear. And here's, here's the deal. A clean heart is a happy heart. If you want to have a happy child who is um, joyful and is not um, full of guilt, full of shame, just cluttered up heart, then you have to help them to learn how to repent. What a great lesson it would be if everybody grew up in a home where they knew how to repent, right, in the church. How awesome would that be for, for the Christian community um, and for their lives and for their marriages? I mean, how, how awesome it is for husbands and wives to be able to know how to repent to each other, right? I mean, this is at the core of all relationships, but especially their relationship with the Lord. So <clears throat> don't think that it's, um, it's something for adults only. Keeping a clear conscience is something for your child as well. And as parents, we're supposed to guard over their heart. Yeah, they're going to learn how to guard their heart with all diligence, but this is part of teaching them. Like when you defile your conscience, when you say no to the voice of your heart, when you trample that down, when you stuff it, when you violate it, when you choose to go against it, then you need to get your heart cleaned again. And it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses our heart. We repent. Yes, sir. <laughs> the, the question was, how, how, Never mind. <laughs> how do you feel about spanking your spouse if they lie to you? So, um, I, I wouldn't recommend that if you want to stay married. <laughs> well, pass on that. Okay. So how would you... How would you say they need to repent? What, um, what is a biblical, what is biblical repentance? Well, there's, um, basically we want them to admit, to confess to what they did. They need to own it. That's the first step in repentance is to own it. Not to pad your confession with alibis. Um, well, I wouldn't have done it except Johnny said this and that. No, that's not, that's not repentance. Repentance is owning your part, saying what I did was wrong and helping them to say um, what I did was wrong. When I took your toy and threw it across the room and laughed at you, that was wrong. Um, and, and so while they're saying this, they're looking the other person in the eye. Right. Right. Not, sometimes you see, oh, sorry, sorry, and they right. run off and play. They did not repent. Right. Well, call them back. Like, no, no, sorry, that's not how we apologize. That's not how we repent to each other. Right, exactly. Yeah, we wanted them to be sincere. I mean, there's the whole thing of godly sorrow in the Bible. I, I, I think that there's degrees of that depending on what you did. Um, uh, you know, if you, if you took somebody's toy and laughed at them, whatever. I mean, maybe it's not a huge thing for godly sorrow and grief at that moment. But at least they need to own it and they need to ask for forgiveness from the person that they've offended, and they need to ask for forgiveness from the Lord. I mean, that's, yes. Serious question. Okay, thank you. So, Diane, obviously, Morgan and I have come to you in the past about at what age do you believe that a child understands that they've done wrong? Because I think a lot of times as young parents, we're trying to discern mm -hmm. can a one-year-old, can a two-year-old, what kind of Well, you wouldn't expect any repentance, you know, from any child. 
I mean, honestly, probably under two or at least a year and a half. I don't think you would expect that. But it is amazing what they understand. I remember just as a young mom hearing Dr. Dobson on the radio, and he says, you know, a lot of times as parents, we think, well, we need to wait till they have more understanding. They don't know what they're doing. And he said, you know, you tell a little child not to touch that outlet, and then you walk out of the room, and then you look back at them around the corner, and you'll see they're looking around, and they're going for it. They know. They know. Our experience is, my goodness, like definitely by the time that they're nine months old, when you said not to touch something, you said no, that's no. Mommy said no. And then they go, then I would flick their hand. Like, no, mommy said no, you're not going to touch that. And as we had more children, we got a little wiser. And um, one thing that was extremely helpful that we did with Brennan and Malia is I would sit on a blanket with them, and I'd put a bunch of things on the blanket that they could play with, and, but there was something they couldn't touch. It might be a bowl of candy. It might be, you know, nowadays maybe it's your phone, like something that is off limits for them. Put it right with everything else. Now, you can play with all this, but this is no. Put it right within their reach. Train them. Train them. Take 15 minutes a day. Maybe you take five minutes a time, you know? And as they get older, maybe it's longer. You, pretty soon you'll be able to leave that item down there. They will never touch it. It just takes time. Takes time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeremiah said it's like the Garden of Eden. Yes. Right. So you're asking as far as, A, overreacting and not giving a child time to process it. Right. That, that definitely can be. I mean, I think you, you have to understand your child and their emotional makeup. I mean, we had this issue specifically with Landon where we thought he was strong-willed, but he really wasn't. He was just emotionally weak and unstable, um, and he would just flip out. I mean, he really had symptoms of autism. Um, where he would just he would just go berserk, and so we were like thinking initially this is strong will because we had walked through that with Shane. <laughs> she trained us to think strong will, you know, <laughs> and so. Um, but with Lana, he wasn't that way. I mean, they're they're all different, and so you know, prayerfully trying to understand each child. So with him, we would when he would go into that. I mean, he would get so worked up emotionally that you couldn't reason with him or talk with him, and and it it usually ended up ended poorly if, if I went in there to deal with him straight up. Even when he was a little bit older, um, you know, emotionally, he'd be like a caged animal and, you know, sitting on his bed. And so it was good sometimes just to give him time to say, all right, you know, I'm, I'm going to come back and talk to you in a half hour. Just, you know, 
relax and <laughs> chill. And I, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to go kneel down by the couch and say, oh, God, help me. <laughs> and then take away the anger that I feel rising in my heart. Um, so, I mean, that really is, that there's nothing wrong with that. I think you understand the emotional makeup of your child and, and then help them to repent. And that, that really did help, especially with him, to give him time to chill. Um, I think the other thing is, like you're saying, where you're, you know, you have a little, little child and you're trying to make them and force them to understand too much. Although, I will say, you know, our oldest son, Jace, when he was nine months old, he had this thing where he would take his food uh, on the tray, you know, on his little high chair, and he would take his food and go, and throw it on the floor, and then he'd look at you. What are you going to do? And we'd be like, mm, no, Jace, you can't throw your food off there. So, Okay, it's proportionate. We didn't take him down and switch his bottom. He's nine months old. So we take his hand and, and flick it, flick his finger. It's, just, it's enough to sting, but it's proportionate to the deal. And he'd, got, he'd cry a little bit. And then um, he learned that's no. You know, you teach them. So say if they were to go for it again, and you flick them again, you just keep doing yeah. it. You just keep going until... Yeah, and then, I mean, at some point, you're just going to remove them. Right. You know, you're, um, they, if you see that, okay, right now he doesn't have the understanding and, you know, you don't want to keep doing that for an hour, just remove him. The last part of where you leave off should be that you won and not that he threw the flute on the floor and then you removed him from the situation, but that you flicked his hand that one more time and said, mommy said no and pick him up and go do something else with him. You know, you always, have to, you always have to win, you know. You're establishing your authority, and, yeah. and one thing that's not okay is to let your child defile, uh, de defy you and your authority and flout that in your face mm -hmm. and then let them win at the end. Like, I mean, there's some battles that you cannot lose as a parent, and you have to stand your ground, and, and you, you have to get in that last word. No, no, mommy, daddy's, you know, in authority here. You're going to do you know what we say and you're not going to do that so then you could pull them out of that high chair put them in a different setting where uh, y you know you you don't want your children to be in a position where they're it's inevitable that they fail you know over and over again I mean you try to avoid that but obviously if they're doing something you know I mean they're they're testing their boundaries and so the the, the thing that brings security in children is to know what their boundaries are they're the happiest children in the world are the ones that know what their boundaries are because they know, okay, if I go over here and if I put my little hairy toe over that line, I'm going to get flicked and I don't want that. And so this is the whole connection of, of, of discipline and it does begin, I mean, my experience and my observation and, and ours, I think, just from uh, our own children and just from talking and observing is that um, children typically, I think, understand sooner than what the parents give them credit for. Um, you can tell by that little look in their eye. You can tell by the way they go. Yeah, they pretend they did not hear you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, right. They'll, they'll, they know how to, look, manipulation is from the garden in Adam. I mean, when he fell, that goes into the heart of a child. That's part of the foolishness that you have to drive out. And um, they know how to play the game. You, you, you know that. I mean, baby, even babies know how to rap, you know. <laughs> I remember when Shana was little. Shana, is it okay if I tell a story on you? <laughs> um, it's just because you're such a success story at the end of the day. 
Um, you know, um, she would, uh, she just knew how to play the manipulation game uh, for people. So we had some good friends and um, the, the husband, what well, he was just taking was Shana. And so she could just do whatever she wanted and he would do it for her. So I remember one time, she's a little girl, she got a bottle, she's laying on the couch and they're getting ready to leave our house. And she's looking back like that, and little blonde hair, just as cute as can be. And um, he says, Shana, goodbye. And she goes like this. She's still sucking her bottle. She goes. <laughs> and he runs right over there to her. <laughs> she had him trained. You know, I mean, I don't know, baby. Was she a year and a half old? How old was she? She was little. But she had him wrapped right around her finger, and he just, yes, yeah, she just all she had to do was just do this, and he came running. So um, that's not a good thing to reinforce. So we tried to say, don't do that. <laughs> uh, we don't want to reinforce that. But they, they do understand, and they understand when they're playing the game. And, you know, they're, they're your children, and so you, you're going to be the most sensitive and insightful into what they're doing and whether they're playing the game or not. I mean, you know, the Lord will give you sensitivity and insight into that. I mean, um, you don't need to overreact and just sometimes it's just best as a parent just to take a breath and go, okay, what, what just happened here? What is happening? And then what's the best way to address it? And you're thinking about the well-being of your child and, and about their heart and about the relationship with the Lord. I mean, that's the overriding theme here. How are we training these children to be lovers of Jesus? And, and how do we need to best do that? So Yeah, and to tag on to that, I think going back to what Gospel was saying, like with you know, how do you really bring them to that repentance? Some, you, do, you, you know, it takes time. And it's really hard when you have, like, a lot on the agenda and you're, you know, you have a really packed schedule. Sometimes you just got to take things off the schedule because your children are worth it. You're, this is a soul for all eternity. And so, you know, sometimes gospel, it might take us a half hour, an hour, sitting down with that child. But the, the, you know, our goal is not little Pharisees doing everything right on the outside. Okay, so you repented. Okay, good. So now we can move on. No, it's like really getting to their heart. So asking those questions, praying with them, helping them to come to the realization, yeah, oh, I see that was wrong. Would, we would always ask them, is this how you want to be treated? Are you okay with someone doing this to you? Well, what does Jesus say about that? You know, we just would go through it and then pray with them because you're really getting to their heart. That's what we want. That's, you know, that heart fully surrendered to the Lord. That's what's honoring the Lord in that situation, not them obeying on the outside, right. but never any transformation in the heart. Right. And, the, I mean, that can happen. We've observed that in the homeschool circles that we ran in. Um, there was a couple, and he actually wrote a book, which was actually pretty good, about child discipline, and they had a fairly large family, and they were just like little soldiers. I mean, when they said they were like, I mean, those kids were like, you know, hello, how are you today, Mr. Nichols? And I mean, that kind of stuff, you know, from a four-year-old, I'm like, mm, that's pretty impressive. My, my kids would never say that. Um, we, we have a struggle just getting them to look at somebody in the eye when they talk to them, okay? So... Um, but their, their kids, um, I don't know if all is the right word, but, but basically their children, when they got older and um, 
you know, were up in the teenage years, all of them rebelled against the Lord because it was all an external thing where they had mastered the external manipulation of their child's behavior, but they hadn't captured the heart. I mean, that's, that's one of the things, you know, that Proverbs talks about has, give me your heart, my son. Um, we have to win their heart, and that's a constant, that's an everyday thing of winning their heart. We do that by how we interact with them, by the way we look at them, by the way we touch them, by them feeling embraced by us. All of those things is the process of winning their heart, and at the end of the day, if you only do one thing as a parent, if you win the heart of your child, you will be a success eventually. You'll win. You'll win the day, and you'll win the game. Yes, sir. Well, um, the first time that that happened, we were at Barry's parents' house with Jace, and I just had to say, I'm really sorry. I know he knows what he's doing. And then I picked up Jace, and we left the room. I picked him up out of the high chair, and we left the room. That's when he's throwing the food off, and mm -hmm. he keeps flicking it off there, and so mm -hmm. then he's getting this, and my mother freaks out. Like, like he doesn't know what he's well, doing. Yeah, you what can't. are you doing? Right. <laughs> and, and at that point, I think he was a year old. So, um, but just flicking their hand in general, like for touching something or like even the stove or, you know, whatever, something they're not supposed to touch. Um, we generally found that they did respond to that even at nine months old. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's really hard. You have the parents that are going to say you're spanking him too hard. You're going to have the ones that might say you're not spanking him enough. And, you know, um, sometimes that would be my mom. And I would just have to say, Mom, I love you. Um, I'm doing what I feel like the Lord wants me to do. Um, just pray for me. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. You can count on it. going to make lots of mistakes. But would you just pray for me? Because Barry and I want to do the best we can. A humble response when they're like telling you you're doing it wrong, what can they say to that? When you humble yourself and say, yeah, I am going to make mistakes, please pray for us, um, I think that diffuses a lot. Yeah, and just, I mean, we have tons of memories that we were just walking and talking the other day about <laughs> times where we just go, <laughs> we just totally didn't get it and we didn't do well in, in the situations, but here's the, here's the deal. The Lord is bigger than all of that. He's, he knows that we're, our parenting skills are marginal at best. And so he's not expecting us to do the perfect thing in every situation, but he wants us to um, look at this. I, I believe the best way is to look at the situation from the perspective of what is gonna be best for that child becoming a disciple and a lover of Jesus in each particular situation. Obviously, you can't allow rebellion to grow inside of them. I mean. So 
we're, we're, seeds are constantly being sown in the heart of your child. And um, as parents, we're responsible to pull out those seeds that are gonna be tares and, and weeds and, and to sow the good seeds back inside of them. And so. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes we're like, okay, I gotta remember. I'm trying to remember, I gotta say this. Um, I just wanna go back to what Jeremiah was saying. Um, honestly, if I, I w we were really, really careful who we let watch our kids, and um, even if it was someone, even if it was a relative, and we felt like, no, things are going on that would not be okay with us, we just couldn't let them watch it, watch our kids. We, I mean, I'm sorry. I love you, your family. I know I'm going to hurt your feelings when I make this call, but I'm standing before the Lord for my child. And that trumps everything else. So I love you, but no, we're gonna uh, we're gonna have someone else watch them. And who I would choose to watch them would always be someone that I felt totally good with my children emulating. They and I and I had to know they were gonna do what I asked them to do in regards to how a situation would be handled, and that even the way that teenager dressed and their demeanor and how they carried themselves. Were they a godly young woman that would be a good example um, and have good character herself? And you know, that those are the people we searched out to take care of our kids. Yes, Morgan? Yeah, well, let's repeat the question. She's asking if the child is taking back what they said when they get called on it and saying, oh, I was just kidding, just kidding, um, just joking. Um, I think that there's, you know, in situations like that, there's a, there's a judgment call that you have to make. But, but in any case, even if they don't need discipline, they probably need further instruction saying, you know what, um, okay, you were joking, but what I want you to do is to, to tell me the truth. Um, and, you know, so tell me what, what is the truth in this thing? And, and get them to go back to telling you the truth so that you win <laughs> at the end of the day. And they, they've been re-instructed of what you, you really want. I mean, I think, you, you know, obviously, 
children are childish. I mean, that's not a revelation, but we, you know, you have to allow for that. It's, um, they're going to be immature and they're going to do things um, that, are, that are childish. We can't, you, know, you can't have unrealistic. One of the ways that you can exasperate your children and provoke them to anger is to um, expect you know, way, way too much from them in, as far as what their behavior is. Um, typically that happens with firstborn children from parents that are, okay, we're gonna do everything right, and, and, and then there's an expectation that, that sometimes it's just unrealistic, and you know, you can, the more children you have, you, the more you just kinda chill and, and just um, go, okay, well, we've been through this before, this is just immaturity. I mean, you just kinda discern what it is. Um, somet- sometimes it's just tight, you know, we were just talking about, we were talking to, to Landon and Emily and they're, they're traveling, you know, speaking of, you know, about their, and raising support for their, their missions that they're going on and they're in a, in a different state, in a different location and they got these two little boys <laughs> and they're having a time of it and, uh, you know, we're talking to them on the phone and the boys are crying and fussing and we're like, um, we look at each other like, you remember that when we travel with the kids, how hard that is? So hard. Um, and sometimes they just need sleep. They just need to go to bed. I mean, I'm that way myself. You know, I just tell Diane, like sometimes, you know what, if I feel like all out of sorts and grouchy, I just need to go unconscious um, and, 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 and exit this, you know, scene. And ch- children are the same way. You know, they they, they're finite, they have their limits, and we, you just have to understand and learn that and just try to roll with it, I think. But, but in answer to your question, I think at the end of the game, what, whatever the issue is, we want to have them acknowledge what the issue is and what the truth is and what we're actually going for, you know, with, with the whole issue of telling the truth. Um, keep going over the story. Eventually, whoever is telling a lie, the story's gonna break down. Yeah, the ones who are telling the truth, the truth didn't change, so they're gonna tell you the same thing every time. But the one who's lying, it'll start to change and morph and get, they'll get confused and... Yeah, I, separately, not, not in front of each other. Take them aside in a separate room. Okay, now you tell me what happened. Okay, so tell me again, and then make sure, and just reiterate it, and keep going over until you have it completely down. You could say it back to them, yes, that's right, that's exactly what happened. Then you call the next one in, and yeah, the one who's not telling the truth, it's going to come out. Yeah, and children aren't very good liars to begin with. Um, that's a developed skill, and um so if you actually get them separately by themselves and, and you look at them and say, you look in my eyes, you're, you're telling me the truth, right? Tell me again what happened. Then usually they crack at that point. <laughs> if they're lying to you, you know, they'll start to cry or, you know, you'll just see that they're, you know, they change their story or they'll start to make an excuse or why they did it. Y- you know, that, that's, that would be the norm, I would say, is, is that when they're actually, um, you know, called on it and, yeah, I, w- I want them to look me in the eye and tell me. So, And then, um, you know, I would tell them, the Holy Spirit is going to tell me. I am going to know who's lying. You can <laughs> right. count on it. 
Right. He's going to tell me. And if you, if any, you know, with all the kids, like if any of you want to insist on lying, ooh, it's going to be bad. But if you come tell me the truth right now, you know, you're going to have some mercy. You're still going to be disciplined. But it will be worse if you continue to hold to a lie. What time is it, babe? It's quarter till. Um, I guess, is there anything else on discipline because, Shana? Yeah, well, I mean, and like Dad was saying, can, can sometimes... You re, can you repeat the question? Okay, so. so Shana is wondering, when is it an issue where they really need to repent um, as they're getting older, they definitely gain an understanding, and when is it, it's not that big of a deal, it was a small infraction, you give them their swat, they go on their way. Um, when they have dishonored someone, then... I mean, and when they're younger, like Shana, your kids are four and five, so it's going to be a pretty quick thing anyway. You know, just like, I'm sorry for hitting you. I was wrong. Will you please forgive me as they look them in the eye? The other, Isaias will say, of course, Ethan. They give each other a hug. You can tell that they're happy again. Their relationship has been restored. They're good to go. That takes 30 seconds. It doesn't have, it's not a big deal. You know, as they get older, yeah, that repentance, that work is going to be a deeper work. But is that yeah, anybody th else? Right, so she has an 18-month-old that's pushing, um, pushing his will and not wanting to listen sometimes. Um, you know, it, and then, yeah, with the whole, you know, when do you give him a swat? Um, when it's definite defiance, you know, mommy said, you need to sit down on the chair, and they're jumping up and like, no, yelling no to you. Okay, well, the swat and sit them back on the chair. No, you, yes, you are going to sit on the chair. And um, again, I wish I had known this when my kids were a lot younger, but as, they, um, as we had more, like with Carissa and Brennan and Malia, I learned more about training them and having little training sessions with them. And that helps so much. I mean, you can really can make it fun. You can make it a game. But, you know, several times during the day, you're having these little training sessions. Maybe at 18 months old, it's just like, come to mommy. And, like, you know, just jump up and down and, and make it a lot of fun for them. And but then when they don't, okay, well, it's time for a little training. Then you're going to give them a little swat. No, mommy said to come. You want your children to come to you. Um, they when they're squirming to get down. That's a great time to teach them. That's a great time to train them. 
mommy's in control or daddy's in control. Our kids are so used to being the ones calling all the shots, saying what they're eating, where they're going, uh, when they're going to sit down, when they're going to get up. They're not used to listening to anybody but themselves. And so we help them and we bless them just to say, no, mommy's got you right now, honey. You're not getting down right now. Little training session. They start throwing a fit. No, now you're really not getting down. <laughs> no, I'm going to hold you. And when mommy says it's time to get down, then you're going to get down. No, you just wait. You have to calm down. No, you're not. And they keep fussing. No, you're not getting down right now. And just wait. Wait till they calm down. Wait till they're listening to you and they're responding to you. Okay, you get down now. You put them down. You just, you just bless them. They're, now they're going to be more in tune to what you say to them. So I'd go through with Carissa and Brennan and Malia like several little times a day, you know, have our little training sessions. And then um, I was uh, talking to Allison about this, you know, I'd put them all on the couch. And even so, like sometimes it's hard some, when company's coming. We don't want to be rude to our company. We want our children to look at our company and, um, you know, answer the door and say hello. And so we'd have a little training session. Oh, someone's at the door. Let's go see who it is, you know. And they'd all run, and we'd pretend somebody's there. Hi, you know, and there's, you know, we'd have, and then, um, anyway, it was really fun. But, you know, and then when they don't and you're training them, you say, okay, so what if I'm in public and we've worked on something and they don't do it? Just apologize for your kids. You know, I'm sorry. If they're rude to somebody, I'm sorry. We're working on that. That's all you have to say. You don't have to make it a big deal. Like, why aren't you? We've worked on this. Why, you're being rude. You don't have to say any of that. Don't say it. Just say to the, to the person that they are rude to, I'm really sorry. We're working on that. And that's it. You can just go over it. That you've, you've kind of smoothed it over. You've You've kind of helped your child, and your child is like, yeah, we're working on it. I'm going to get there. You know, we had to do that with, with one of ours in particular who had a really hard time looking at people. Um, but, yeah, just little training sessions go a long way. Yes? Oh, sorry. Raul? Maybe you give her a little time to calm down, you know? Maybe she's too upset, too emotional, right, you know? Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> Where did she get that from? I do. <laughs> totally. 
You, you know, we're trying to train our, our kids. I mean, the biggest part of discipline is training them to have self-control. And, but in order for that to happen, the parent has to have self-control as well. So, um, yeah, we have to work on that. I mean, I, you know, I've told the story many times in this church about, you know, with Lanny, he was like the caged animal there, and he reared back, and I'm trying to discipline him, and he rears back his head, and <laughs> he blows a snot ball on me as big as a marble that hits me in the chest. And before I knew what was happening, he was dangling between heaven and earth. And I snatched him up by his shirt, and I'm just like, Oh, Jesus. Um, I did not. I did. <laughs> yeah, and I offer him up to you now. <laughs> He's a living sacrifice. He's just about to be one. <laughs> so there's times as parents where you have to repent yourself. And um, so I said, just wait here, hon. You calm down. Daddy needs to go pray. <laughs> so I went out and kneeled down on the couch and said, Lord, God, help me. I did not know that that was inside of me. And, uh, and I, don't, I don't want it there anymore. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Like not getting in a, like, Right. Well, there, there's some battles you have to win. You, you cannot lose some battles. You cannot lose a battle of defiance. You cannot let your child win the battle where they're saying to you, no, I'm not going to do what you say. You, they cannot win that ever. Um, and so there's some really strong-willed little ones, and they have a lot of strong flesh, and, and you have to help them. Yeah. yeah. Can I just say one thing about that is that a lot of times Wesley would pull me into a power struggle, a lot of times. He was pretty smart. And I just felt like, well, I had to, I had to answer him back I mean, and tell him and put him in his place or whatever. And Barry's, like, I can't count all the times, why do you let him do that? You're the adult. <laughs> you're, in the, you're the one in authority. It's not him. You don't have to answer to him. <laughs> like, okay, I got to remember not to do that. But one thing that helped is that when there's that power struggle, um, again, humility diffuses so many things to say, you know, you may not agree with me and I might even be making a mistake right now. I, I may be making a wrong call and this might be not the right thing right now, but I am doing the best I can by you because I love you. I fear the Lord. I'm going to stand before the Lord on your account and, of your, and for your life. And um, you're just going to have to Trust me that I really love you. I'm in your corner, and I'm doing what is, you know, the best that I can for you, even if it's a mistake. What I want you to do is I want you to go. I, we don't agree about this. I want you to go pray about it, and I want you to pray for me because I am so open to God changing my heart about this decision, and I, I'm, I'm not, I don't, it's not a matter of being right. It's not a matter of, you know, it's just about what is in this situation is going to honor the Lord. That's what we want to do. I said, I know that's what you want. That's what I want. So will you go pray for Mommy? Because I want to do the right thing. And I'm open to God changing my heart. Right now, this is where it stands. And we can't discuss it anymore. Yeah, that's when they're a little older, obviously, where you're reasoning yeah. with them. But I, I think one thing that helps is to remind them consistently that your authority as a parent over them is not from yourself it's from the Lord and the Lord said you know 
honor your father and mother. Obey them so that it may go well with you. you may, do, do you want your life to go well? Do you want God to bless you? I know that you do. Do you want um, him to, to be good to you all the days of your life and prolong your life so you have a, a long and a good life? That's the promise of obeying and honoring your father and your mother that the Lord gave. And so um, even if you don't agree with the decision, then you still need to do it because we're at the end of the day. This authority has come not from our own making, but it's come from the Lord. And try to, you know, bring them back to what the real deal is. I mean, we're, this is about obeying and honoring the Lord and the way that you, you know, uh, are responding to, to your parents. It's a big deal to the Lord. Kev. Yeah, we, you're you're asking about the instrument that we use to give when we when when we swallow. We 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 used a little uh, plastic supply line for a toilet. Well, that was one of them, and then there was. Yeah. This, do you have that little slapper, Shana? Do you still have it? Yeah, it's like a little strap that's about that wide, and it's sort of yeah. made out of rubber or plastic, and it's just a little sting. Yeah, that's what you're doing. Pops it's like just that. a little sting. It's not yeah. gonna mark them. Is they're gonna go, oh, that hurt. Or sometimes we'd have them go get a little switch off of the tree, you know, and say, okay, go go pick which one you want. <laughs> Whatever no, they'd you come want. back with this little minuscule thing that wouldn't do the job. So I'm like, that, that's not gonna work. Yeah. So. Yeah, but then we but we wouldn't use our hand. Yeah, I don't think we ever used our hand because we. I don't know, just that thing of wanting to love them, wanting to, yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, there's different opinions on whether using the hand or not. I mean, my, my parents did, and I never connected it with it. I mean, you know, if your hand's open or closed, it's a big deal, <laughs> obviously. So, um, yes. Well, I'd probably, say, I'd probably take that few minutes to look at her directly. Josie, you're asking for ice cream or you want this? Okay, I'm going to answer you right now. I don't want you to continue asking. When you continue asking for things, that's called whining. And whatever you whine about, I cannot give you. You won't get ice cream. Not today. Anytime today, you know. And maybe not tomorrow either. But, um... But yeah, just make sure, like, okay, so we're going to have ice cream. If you guys had talked about it, and that's why it's in her head, after dinner tonight is when we're going to have ice cream. But you're not allowed to continue to ask about it or whine for it because then you can't have it at all. And I'm going to feel really bad not with, if you can't get your ice cream. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. you don't want to reward disobedient behavior. And so if you're telling them not to whine, 
and then they continue doing it, and that automatically, they don't get it. With our kids, if they ever threw a fit about something, they knew. That's automatic. No, no. Our heart was we wanted to bless you, but you know that you've thrown a fit. We can't. We can't give it to you because we can't reward you, your poor behavior, and um, that's not how it works in our house. So, I mean, they pick up on that, I find, I mean, pretty quick. They learn the, what the rope is. Okay, if we want to get this, <laughs> the way to get there is not to throw a fit because we won't get it. And yeah. you just have to be, consi- you know, consistency is a huge deal, obviously, in parenting. Um, you know, so just quickly, it's, it's 8 o'clock. But um, think through the rules that you make. Only make rules that are necessary. Like for me, the trigger points was if they were defiant and they said no to my face or to a Diane, or if they were disrespectful in how they talked to me. I told them, I told my kids, I said, it makes me, it makes daddy angry when you speak disrespectfully to mommy. And you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> And so they learned, uh, you know, they, this is not okay. I, I don't, I, w- I have a zero tolerance policy for them disrespecting their mother or, you know, me or the defiance thing. Those, those were red lines that do not get crossed. So, um, but think through your, your rules that you make. Don't make too many that are sometimes they're just onerous and they're unnecessary. But, you know, we tried to discipline hard attitudes. The whole thing with whining is one of those things. Um, or if they're throwing a fit, they're trying to manipulate their, you know, showing their rear end and trying to get their way. <laughs> that kind of stuff means it's an automatic no. It's an automatic no. If you do that, it's, it's a no for you. And so they, they learn that. If you enforce it consistently, they learn that that behavior will not pay. And so we had this little phrase that we said over and over again, it does not pay to disobey, <laughs> period. <laughs> you won't get anything. Yes, sis. If it was excessive and they were openly defying, you know, I mean, to me, the line of defiance is if, 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 they're, if they continue whining when they're told, okay, look, you're not getting it, period, that's not happening. But if they just keep doing it and you've told them to stop doing it and it, and it crosses, to me, it crosses the line of direct defiance where basically they're telling you, I don't care what you want, I'm gonna do what I want. That's the discipline with Mr. Switch. But a lot of times, like, if they know you're a person of your word, so, you know, they might test you on something once or twice, but when they know, like, what's going to happen, they're really not going to get it, they're not going to keep doing it. You know, I had, I had an issue with Carissa, and I didn't catch it right away, but she would keep fussing about her clothes, like, with what she wanted to wear. She's just two, you know, but, like, no, I don't want to wear that. I want to wear this. I'm like, no, you know what? We're not doing that anymore. Mommy's picking out the clothes. And she fussed about it. And I said, well, honey, you're wearing it today. And you know what? You're going to wear it tomorrow, too. And the next day, I think she fussed about it. And I said, now you're going to wear it the next day. I, I don't know that she wore it all week. But, like, she <laughs> wore it a lot, that same outfit that she did not like. And after that, she didn't fuss about her clothes. So once they know, like, you're going to do what you said, then they respect you and they'll listen you won't keep having that problem. How do you deal with, like, I'm totally with what you're saying here about they, they know, like, if you say my rule, they know that you can't. So if you're in someone else's, then 
I mean, I would say if you're in a situation and then you're seeing all this negative behavior that, that you don't deal with at home, and then when you go other places, they're kind of, they're rolling with the punches and whatever's going on in that atmosphere, they're adapting to that instead of behaving the way you want them to. Um, I'd say, you know, listen, we're gonna have to leave. If this is gonna, I mean, I would talk to them before we went. Um, we would have an issue sometimes, um, you know, you always see kids at a playground, whatever, crying and screaming because it's time to go. And I would tell my kids ahead of time, we're going to the playground. When mommy says time to go, it's gonna be time to go. Now I'm gonna respect you and I'm gonna give you a little warning. I'm gonna give you a five or 10 minute warning, usually five minutes. I'm gonna give you a five minute warning. After that, when I say it's time to get your shoes on, it's time to go, it's time to go. But if you whine or you fuss, you don't obey mommy, we won't be back. And I promise you that. They knew like I would do whatever I, I threatened them I was gonna do, like we won't come back. It will be a very, very long time. So I mean, you, you, I think it's hard for the kids sometimes because they feel confused if they're going here and then they're getting catered to and yeah, they're whining because they're getting catered to and they're getting given whatever they want when they whine. I mean, I just go over all of that before they get there. And if that's the situation, say, you know, I love you, but we aren't staying. And deal, deal with your children. When you stand before the Lord, you'll be glad you did. And you know, for the younger ones coming up, when you have the older ones trained well, it is so much easier. You just have to tell the older ones, they're already trained. They just get up and they go do it. And you know what? The little ones, they don't know any better. They just follow. It's such a blessing. Just because it's so hard with the older ones and you think, oh, my gosh, well, if I have four or five, I'm going to be fighting this battle forever. You really won't. Because when you win it with the older ones and they're used to obeying right away, and you have just made, you've just plowed the road. And it's just so much easier with the littler ones. But whatever it would take, Morgan, um, I wouldn't compromise. I wouldn't compromise their behavior and their character um, for anybody, you know, for hurting anybody's feelings. Sometimes honoring the Lord, you are going to hurt someone's feelings, and that's okay, because we're always going to choose what he wants, you know, over any grandparent or any friend, you know. Discipline that we have becomes a lot easier, and it's not like trying to get back to the Lord. So, how do we 
No, no, I love your accent, love your accent. Totally, totally understand what you're saying. And, you know, the more we talk about these things, just like even having this class and having this discussion, like, so all of us in this room, like, we're going to, you know, there's going to be a culture that's being, that is being created right now at Heart of the Father in regards to discipline and, and raising our children to honor the Lord. And, and the more we talk about it and we get together and have play dates and we're talking about it, like, that's going to grow, you know. It, it becomes part of our culture, what we continue to talk about and raise the standard. And we've seen it. Um, we love the fact that um, there are so many healthy marriages here at this community. And, but, you know, it starts little. It, you know, when Heart of the Father started, that was something that was important to the, the small little group when it started. And that just continues to grow. And I think, you know, as our families grow too, like that's going to be incorporated in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one of the ways I think you can do that with your own children is to take somebody, a child, maybe that's a little bit older. You know, what your children want to emulate what you praise. And if you say, did you see how little Johnny, when his mom called him, he went right over there? Isn't that beautiful? I know that that pleases the Lord. That's a beautiful thing because, I, I, you know, that kind of reinforcement is, is helpful as well. It's not like you're comparing it. You're, you know, you're a scumbag. Johnny's a good boy. It's not like that. It's just it's, you're, you're picking out character qualities instead of saying, doesn't Susie look beautiful with that bow in her hair? How about praising her character and her obedience? Then they know what your value system is, your, your own children, and they, they, they catch that. They pick up on that. They, they pick up on that. That makes you happy. You think that's beautiful. You, that pleases you, and they want to please you. Yeah, sis. Right. Well, some of that is um, practicing. You know, where do you, we, like Diane would say, we'd stage, you know, something. Or, okay, we're going to have somebody over tonight, and when they come, how are we going to do it? Let's practice. Okay, Jace, you pretend to be Mr. Luke, and when he comes to the door, what are we going to, everybody's going to say to him, hi, Mr. Luke. Okay, let's make sure we look into his eyes. Hi, Mr. Luke, how are you today? Okay, so it's, some of it's that, and um, it, it helps to premeditate what the situation is and to try to prepare your children as much as, I mean, obviously you can't do that for everything, but things that are recurring and repeat all the time like that, it's really helpful. Um, yeah, and just, I think that's so good too, like what you're saying and just what you bring it up so then when you go into church, 
when people talk to you, look at them, you know, um, acknowledge them, be respectful. Resp if they ask you a question, try to answer it. All those are just little things we do to start to get them to respect adults. And yeah, that's good.